Thanks for listening. The following audio is a teaching from Calvary Tucson's Young Adult Ministry, Ignition. For more teachings, information, or if you'd like to support our ministry, please visit us online at ignitiontucson.com. We pray you're blessed by the message. Verse 21, then they said to one another, in truth, we are guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us and we did not listen. That is why this distress has come upon us. And Reuben answered them, did I not tell you not to sin against the boy? But you did not listen. So now there comes a reckoning for his blood. They've been living with a guilty conscience for 20 years now and the Lord is finally bringing it out and God's finger is poking them in the chest and they finally break and they finally open up and talk about it. And praise God for that moment. Is it easy? No. Is it comfortable? Absolutely not. Is it good though? Yes, it's good. Now, it, it might be scary for you to think about that. For God confronting your sin for God calling you out, like that's a scary thought, isn't it? The Bible says your sin will find you out. That's a comforting verse. I was in an elders meeting one time and this elder was, we were praying over these new, uh, these new pastors that just got ordained and one of the elders, he was like, Lord, I pray for these men because their sin will find them out. And I was like, whoa, man, it got real in here, you know? What's going, what's going on? But yeah, the, the, it says it in the book of Numbers. You're, Moses said, hey, you better, do, you better do this thing, the right thing, or your sin will find you out. You, like, it's not going to be overlooked by the Lord. And it's, it sounds like a scary moment. And I'll tell you, it's better to confess your sin than to have your sin find you out. It's better to take it to the Lord and deal with it than to have God force it upon you and have it be thrust out in the open. Right? It's a scary thought. But I'll, I'll tell you this, guys. What's even scarier than God confronting your sin is going through life never feeling convicted about your sin. Only to coast right into eternal hell. Guys, that is scary. That is what, that, truly, that is what scares me. To think that, what if, what if God did not care enough about my salvation to draw me to repentance but He just let me die in my sins. Think about that. What if God just let you die in your sins? What if you are really, truly at enmity with God? You are an enemy of God and He hates you because of your sins. And He allows you to enter into eternity in that state, never convicting you because He wants to judge you. Guys, that scares me. That is a scary thought. Like, I, I want God to deal with my, my sins. Now, there, there are those in life who've gotten away with some heinous crimes, right? There's the murderer, the rapist who got away with some heinous crime and they're out living a normal life somewhere. And that might seem unfair, but understand, God doesn't miss a thing. These guys got away with doing tremendous wrong to their brother, but they didn't get away with it, did they? God does not miss a thing. And those who are out there living in outright wickedness, never feeling guilt, never getting caught for doing the wrong thing, let me tell you something. They're the ones hated by God. I know this is a strong statement. 
The Bible says God hates the wicked. And it's true. There are people out there who aren't going to get caught and they will, they will die at enmity with God. And that, that is the tragedy. Not God dealing with your sin. Not God confronting you in your sin. And my, my hope, my prayer, the Bible says that the Lord chastens those He loves. My prayer is that you feel chastened by the Lord. That, I, that, that God loves me enough to be a hands-on father in my life and chasten me. I want that. Even though it's scary. Even though it's uncomfortable. And I, I do. I pray the Lord... Corner, he loves us enough to corner us in our sin. He loves us enough to deal with the sin in our lives and that we would love him enough to repent. These brothers, like Elohim is brought up, the fear of God, and God just corners them and they confess before the Lord, man, we messed up. We, we did wrong. God is drawing these guys to repentance. Verse 23, it says, they did not know that Joseph understood them. They were speaking in Hebrew. For there was an interpreter between them then he turned away from them and wept. He heard their remorse, finally. Man, and it just struck his heart. He's, his heart is so soft right now for his brothers. He just wants to be reconciled. Then he turned away and wept. And then he returned and spoke to them. And he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. We don't know why he took Simeon. Maybe Simeon volunteered. Or maybe he just had it out for Simeon. He's like, oh, I'm going to get you, boy. Um, probably, I would imagine Simeon's just like, I'll, I'll do it, I'll say. And Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain and to replace every man's money in his sack and to give them provisions for their journey. And this was done for them. So he just takes care of them. He's just like, load up their, their you know, satchels with grain, give them provisions for the trip, and guess, give them their money back too. Just bless, I just want to bless these guys. I just want to bless my brothers. Verse 26, Then they loaded their donkeys with their grain and departed. And as one of them opened his sack to give his donkey fodder at the lodging place, he saw his money in the mouth of his sack. And he said to his brothers, My money has been put back. Here it is in the mouth of my sack. And uh, at this, their hearts failed them. And they turned, trembling to one another, saying, What is this that God has done to us? So they're still recognizing, like, this is God intervening. Again, they still have the guilty conscience, and they're like, God is out to get us for this. They think it's punishment, but God is actually blessing them. But they, they're still sensitive to the fact, this wasn't uh, that angry ruler's fault. This wasn't that servant's fault who was supposed to handle our transaction. God, God is behind this. And we are going to be in trouble if we go back to Israel. But guys, I believe this is an accurate representation of God's character. An accurate depiction of God's character. Joseph had the right to cast them into jail. Like Joseph knew they sold him into slavery. And they were criminals for that. And he could have punished them. He could have sent them to death, right? Uh, put them to death. But instead, he blesses them. He fills their satchels with grain. He gives them their money back and He lets them go as free men. And God has done the same thing. Do you realize God could judge every single one of us right now? We are all guilty. He does not have to. He is not obligated to show mercy and grace to you. Do you realize that? But He wants to. He loves to. That's His character. That's His nature. And even the obstinate unbelievers in the world 
God extends grace and mercy. What does He do? Instead of condemning us to death right on the spot, He he turns around and He provides for us. He turns around and He gives us provision more than we need, far more better than we deserve. And He lets us be free to make our own decisions. He lets us choose. This is the character of God demonstrated in, in the life of Joseph right here. Romans 2 tells us it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. That it's, it's God's kindness and goodness in our life that so often makes us want to change when we realize, man, God is, God is so good. But you know what? I believe we only, we only really truly comprehend like this much of God's kindness in our life when it is astronomical. We, I think we only see a little glimpse and fathom a glimpse of God's kindness in our life. And I, and I believe that when we stand before the Lord, when it says we will know even as we are known, I believe in that day, everyone will be shocked at how kind God actually was to us. How good He actually was in our life. Like, I think we're going to be blown away. Every little detail of every day, the kindness of God demonstrated in our life. And I believe, you know what? I was thinking about this. For the believer, it's going to be a humbling moment. Like, whew, wow, man. That was way more than I even anticipated. But it's going to be a moment of joy when we comprehend the love that God had for us as His kids. But let me tell you something. For the unbeliever who stands before the Lord, it's going to be a, revel- a painful, bitter revelation to them when they see the goodness of God. This God that they lived hating, rejecting, accusing as evil, when they see how good God actually was to them, I think it's going to be a a bitter moment for them, a, a difficult thing right before their judgment. But God is so good. God is so good to us. And and just just as Jacob, he'll continue to lavish them with gifts from this point, or Joseph will. Verse 29. When they came to Jacob, their father in the land of Canaan, they told him all that had happened to them. Uh, And so they basically explained to Jacob all that happened. Let's jump down to 35 just to save a little bit of time. It says, as they emptied their sacks, behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when when they and their father saw their bundles of money, they were afraid. And Jacob, their father, said to them, you have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more, and that was your fault. You guys remember that, right? You, you messed up with Joseph, and Simeon is no more, and that was your fault. I'm putting that on you guys now. And now, you would take Benjamin also? It's like, Do you guys think I'm stupid? Do you guys think I can trust you with anything at this point? All this has come against me, Jacob declares. It's all against me. Why? 37, then Reuben said to his father, Father, kill my two sons if I do not bring him back to you. And Jacob's like, why would I do that? What good would that do? They're my grandkids, buddy. Like, no, no, just sit down, Reuben. Sit down. That's enough out of you, buddy. He said, uh, put him in my hands and I will bring him back to you. But he said, my son shall not go down with you. You clearly are not in a good place right now, Reuben. And he's not going down with you. For his brother is dead, and he is the only one left. If harm should happen to him on the journey that you are to make, 
you would bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to Sheol. It's like if, if anything happened to Benjamin, I can't take the grief. It would kill me. Uh, and so, no, I don't trust you, Reuben, with, with Benjamin. So here they are. The, the brothers are freaking out because they're like, none of us actually paid for the grain. So we're dead if we go back there. They're going to throw us into jail and call us thieves. This is their perception. Jacob's like, well, Simeon's as good as dead because clearly you guys all stole this grain and left Simeon in jail. They're not giving him back. And he's like, and Benjamin's as good as dead if you go down there. There's, there's just no hope. It's all against me, he says. Makes this very pessimistic statement. It's all just, God is killing us all. And, you know, and it's, it's, it's funny to us because we see the big picture, right? Like we, we can step back and see what God is doing in all this. But it's also funny if we just look at their perception. It's funny how far off our perception can be of how things actually are. They're like, man, God is, God is against us. He's surely the covenants, they're out the window. Like he's killing us. We're, it's done. He's going to start over. And God's like, guys, no, I'm, I'm actually saving you. I'm actually going to use this to multiply you as a nation. But they don't see that. They don't see that at all. In fact, Jacob's reaction makes you wonder if perhaps he's lost sight of God's promises altogether. Right? Like, everything is against me. My, we're all as good as dead at this point, you know? Uh, there's nowhere to go from here. We're going to starve because we can't go back to Egypt. It makes you wonder, did he lose sight of God's promises? Let's look at God's promises. God personally showed up in Jacob's life twice and said these promises. Genesis 28, he said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and the east and the north and the south, and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So that can't be true, and everything is against me. We're all going to die. One of those can't be true if the other one's going to come to pass. Behold, the Lord says, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Genesis 35. God, again, comes to Jacob personally. He says, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. And the land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac I give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. I had said that every circumstance that a believer faces, though we face trials, we have hope in them. Every circumstance. And yet here Jacob and his sons, they, they seem to have lost hope. They seem to have lost sight of, of the hope as the children of God, as God's nation. Why? I believe it's because they've lost sight of His promises. I believe that they have forgotten what God has personally promised to Jacob and to their, to their nation. They've grown distant from the Word of God that He had spoken to them. And... This is the reason why it's so important, guys, that we continually 
keep God's promises, God's Word in front of our eyes, fresh in our minds, fresh in our hearts. Because we're so quick to forget. We're so quick to forget the hope that God gives us, the promises that His Word gives us. It's like we, we, we literally, we're compared to sheep for good reason in the Bible. We're so quick to think that it's all against us. And God's like, I just told you like two weeks ago, we're going to do some amazing things. And you were all happy and worshiping and feeling good. And now, you know, you're not feeling so hot and had a bad day. And all of a sudden, everything's against you. You know, we have to keep God's promises in the forefront of our minds and in our hearts. It's essential that we're in it every day, guys. The Bible is your lifeline. The six practices of a disciple, right? Worship. What's the second one? Read. Study the Bible. Be a student of the Word. Be in it every day. Pray it back to the Lord. Talk about the Bible with, the, with God as you're sitting there. Let the Holy Spirit instruct you in His promises. We need this constant reminder of God's sovereignty, of God's good. Guys, God is good. God sees everything and He cares. He hasn't forsaken you. God is working all these things for your eternal benefit. You will forget these things if you're not reminded. If you don't come to church regularly and have someone like me preach it at you again and again and again, you will forget. You know why? I'm a pastor and I forget. And I got to go to church and I need to listen to other preachers and I need to be in the Word every day because I forget. I wander from God's promises and I find myself in discouragement. And so we need this constant reminder. And in just a few chapters, God will actually come to Jacob again and personally speak to him and remind him again of the promises. But guess what? You don't need to wait for God to come to you. You don't need to wait around and have this moment of revelation for God to be like, hey, let me reassure you. Because all the promises you need are sitting right in your lap. Or in your telephone if you've got, you got the app open. It's right before you. You have access to it 24-7. You don't need to wait. And I want to say, if you found yourself, guys, in a state of hopelessness, maybe you found yourself in this state of perpetual guilt. You've got something that's just gnawing at your soul. I'd be willing to bet you've probably wandered from the Word of God, too. Your quiet time probably hasn't been very good, right? I would be willing to bet that is the case. And so I'll close, guys, with this exhortation. Come back to the Word of God. Come back to being a student, a disciple of of the Word, when you actually make time to sit down, just you and the Lord, to see what He has for you. Feed upon it every day. And I promise you, you will find hope again. You will be reminded of His grace and His forgiveness. You will find refreshment for your souls as you come back to the Word of God, because that is your lifeline. Do not forget the promises of God, lest you find yourself in this state of discouragement that Jacob finds himself in. They will be assured here. Stay tuned. Come back next week, because things get, get a lot better for these guys. And it's so refreshing. But you don't have to wait till next week to be refreshed by the Lord. Get in the Word this week. Spend time with Him. Seek Him. He loves you. He wants to assure your heart. He wants to deal with your sin. And He wants to set you up in a moment of, of uh, uh, in a place of prominence in His kingdom. Amen? Let's all stand. Let's pray.
And Father, it is, it's just so good to be reminded of Your grace, Your mercy, Your goodness. Lord, that You chase after us with the hope of, of, of lavishing Your grace and mercy upon us. You are in a posture of forgiveness. You're in a state of wanting to be reconciled. For 20 years, you wanted reconciliation for these brothers. And you were working that out. And, and Lord, may we not wait for your work of reconciliation to be done in our lives. And Lord, I pray for those listening to this message who find themselves in a place of discouragement, that you would meet them where they're at, Lord God, that, that your finger would, would be able to identify the thing in their hearts that's troubling them, if it's hopelessness, if it's guilt and shame, and the Lord, that they would have the courage to bring this before you, to confess it to you and to lay it at the foot of the cross. Lord, that they would have the courage to turn away from their sins, the things that they know are keeping them from you, the things that they know are keeping them in shame, that are keeping them in hopelessness, they would turn from those things, God. They would confess them before you. And Lord, I pray for those perhaps listening to this who've never committed themselves to you. Lord, that they would have the wisdom, Lord, that the fear of God by the power of the Holy Spirit would lead them to make the wisest decision they could ever make and to receive Jesus as their personal Savior. Lord, I believe that You desire even now as I'm speaking to save hearts, to save souls, to save lives. And so I pray uh, that as this Word goes forth, Lord, that it would find fertile soil in the hearts of unbelievers and that it would bring forth the fruit of salvation. Lord, we ask this because we know that this is Your desire. Your heart is to save the lost. Lord, you do not desire to condemn. You do not desire that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. And so we pray even now that you would draw more to yourself, God. And we close with that prayer. We close with that request, Lord. Further your kingdom by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey everyone, Pastor Sean here. Thank you so much for listening. If you're hearing this and you'd like to give your life to the Lord now, I invite you to take the next step. Text the words ready for Jesus to 94,000 and we can follow up with you. One of our leaders will be able to contact you and get you some free resources to help you grow in the faith. We invite you to come out to our in-person services every Thursday evening at Calvary Tucson's East Campus in the coffee shop area. We meet at 6.30 p.m. for coffee and our service starts at 7 p.m. In the meantime, keep reading, keep praying, and keep worshiping. God bless you. Down away.